Now listen, uh, guys, I'm wearing my cowboy hat and, and uh, I was told that when you don't have a, any cows, you don't have a ranch, and you wear a cowboy hat, you're all hat, no cows. And uh, I don't know about that, but my Uncle Ricky has some cows and he said he'll let me borrow the, the, the credit for those cows. So I don't know about y'all, but I got credit, all right? I got some cows in my bank. Now, uh, now I'm just kidding. Uh, what I am telling you is this. A lot of people say a lot of things in this past week. Uh, I mentioned, and I, and I tried to highlight for you some of the dangers of Facebook and social media and getting, getting that involved in your life to the point that it starts derailing, distracting, discouraging, and just destroying and what I mean by that is if you're not careful, you can begin to have the wrong focus and you can start to compare yourself. And there's nothing more dangerous than comparing yourself to someone on social media. And since then, a lot of people have been, uh, have been commenting and saying, yeah, I know people that live two lives. They kind of have like this persona on social media and then they have the real thing, you know. And on social media is what you want the world to see you as. You know, you want the world to see you as this. So, you know, that's where you post everything uh, um, through a certain filter. You know, they have filters, you know, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, sometimes, you know, we buy things we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't like or don't know, one of the two. But, but either way, and then... We get caught up in seeing this and saying, well, well, I need to be this way, I need to be that way. And I'll give you a good example. Like People, people just go with the flow and, and, we, and, and the enemy uses these platforms to get everyone going in a certain direction. Let me give you a, a certain example. Someone said to me, Pastor, why do you wear a cowboy hat? And then sometimes you wear Jordans and sometimes you do this. And sometimes, what's your style? I'm trying to grab your style. I'm trying to understand who you are. And I said, I'm me. If I wake up in the morning and I want to dress kicker, I'll dress kicker. If I wake up in the morning and I want to wear my MJs and, and my, uh, and my uh, uh, diesel jeans, then I'll wear my MJs with my diesel jeans. If I wake up in the morning and I want to dress preppy, then I'll dress preppy. If I want to wear khakis, I'll wear khakis. If I want to do what I want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do because I ain't hurt nobody. And this is the thing. I don't like people telling me who I should be. The only one I want telling who I... The, one, the only one I want telling me who I should be is my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Is God. Is God. And I guess I learned this at a very young age because when we were very young, my, pa- my dad is a pastor and my grandfather was a pastor. I always said I didn't want to be a pastor because I saw all the heartache and the, and, and the heaviness that they had to deal with. But they moved, uh, my dad and mom, they moved from Bastrop. It was a very small city at the time. So I want to paint a picture for you. We had just gotten a Walmart and I'm talking about the little the little uh, brown building that didn't even look like this building here. It was a little bitty thing. And they had just gotten an HEB. And we moved from that to inner city Houston. And I went to a super 5A, 6A school. Huge, huge school. Huge culture shock. Big difference. But this is the thing. Jacob, I want you to, I want you to grab this picture. I'm a young freshman, 13 years old. I walk into this brand new high school wearing parachute pants. Anybody remember the parachute pants? Ask your mom what parachute pants are. That's, they weren't cool, but we thought they were cool. We'd sweat like crazy. They're like, what is that material? I don't know what it is, but it's like wearing plastic. You know what I mean? 
And so you have all these zippers all over the place. And the whole idea is to wear loud colors. Think 80s, right? Saved by the bell. You need to think saved by the bell. Loud, bright colors. Cindy Lauper type, you know. So I'm wearing like orange pants. I got a, a, a purple Genera. Do you remember the Genera uh, sweatshirts? I had a purple Genera sweatshirt. And then I had uh, pink Converse. And I walk into this inner city high school where no one dressed like that. You want to know what the guys wore in inner city high school? Now, what they did was they wore khaki pants or, and there were the Dickies. You know what Dickies are? That's like work pants. I don't know who thought those were cool, but they wore work pants, either, either khaki or blue, and they'd wear them low. I can't even do that in, in my, in, in my cinch jeans, but you know, they'd wear them low and then they'd wear a solid color t-shirt with whatever color rag identified them to the gang they were with. Then when, the, when they couldn't wear the rag anymore, now they just look like a uniform. Who wants to be wearing an ugly uniform to school every day? I mean, you know, some of you are going, Pastor, don't say that. My kids wear uniforms to school, this and this and that. But I'm saying is, hey, I like wearing what, what, what I like to wear. And I'd ask him, I'd say, look, because one guy, he goes, man, dude, you dress crazy. And I said, what do you mean I dress crazy? And, it was, and he goes, you're not colorblind, are you? Are you? <laughs> and, I said, and I said, no, why do you say I'm colorblind? Because you dress like you're colorblind. I said, you dress like you're colorblind and you have to only use the same colors because you don't know how to. And I said, why do you dress like that? Listen, this comes to a point, believe me. And, and this is what he told me. He said, because everybody does it. Now, I want you to think about that with me for a second. Isn't that the way the enemy wants to have us? See, Jesus said this, wide is the road that leads to destruction and many will find it and travel it. It's called a bandwagon. But, but narrow is the way that leads to life and few will travel by it. You know, one of my favorite uh, Poets is Robert Frost, and he writes about a, a road less traveled, and that road less traveled made all the difference. Can I tell you something? Finding the narrow path and following Jesus has made all the difference in my life. And so I, I wear this not to impress you, but impress upon you. I'm not trying to impress man. I want to impress God. And God says, wear what you feel is comfortable to you and not offensive. But other than that, go on and be happy, son. And I got bigger fish for you to fry than to be comparing yourself on Facebook to nonsense like that. Uh-oh, trying to help you if you let me. See, because then I realized that everyone's walking around in my old high school like this. And they had some variation of this walk. I can't even do it anymore. But, but they would walk around like this, like they had something going on in this lower region right here. And I said to them, I said, hey, dude, why do you walk like that? He goes, you walk too preppy. I said, what do you mean? He goes, because I'd get, I'd get in, people were picking on me. I said, man, why are you always picking on me? Maybe I was the new kid. That's where I learned to fight. I didn't fight. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. I can fight, defend myself if I need to. Some of y'all are going, this boy is crazy. No, I'm trying to share with you some things. Listen, so I, I said, why are you always picking on me? They said, because you walk like that goofball, John Travolta. You know, stay alive and be like. And they're walking slow like this, you know. 
And I'm like, why do you walk like that? He goes, because everybody does it. I said, everybody looks like they got constipation too. I mean, that's how you walk when you're constipated. You're like, please don't come. Please, please, or something else. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Some of us are doing what everybody's doing, but can I share something with you? If everyone went and jumped off a, come on, parents, I need your help. Would you do it too? Absolutely. The truth is no. You go, pastor, you're making, I don't follow your point. You've lost me. The people I'm following are not jumping off a cliff. They're jumping off a cliff emotionally. They're jumping off a cliff financially. They're jumping off a cliff relationally. They're jumping off a cliff in every facet of their life. And where it's time that we start walking in a different direction. Be you. Be the great person God created you to be. Because God made you awesomely special. And the enemy wants you to just follow the crowd and jump on the bandwagon and walk and talk and live like everybody else when you could be experiencing all of this. That's right. I look good. No, I'm just kidding. I will tell you this, guys. I will tell you this. This is a serious message. And what I'm talking about here is direction. Direction. I'm going to put the hat down now. I've made my point. And I want you to understand that we've been covering a different topic every week. In the first week, we started off with what? Encouragement and influence. Now we're talking about direction. Direction is a noun. It's a course along which someone or something moves. That's you. That's your life. That's the most important thing God has given you, the time on this earth and your will. The management or guidance of someone or something. That's you. So you're managing and guiding what? The course and the movement of your life down this road of life. How are you doing with it? Are you just going with the flow? Are you doing it for the honor and purpose of God? Because number one, if you want to have real meaningful direction, you've got to have purpose. Without purpose, you're just taking a stroll. Without purpose, you're just wandering. Without purpose, you don't have meaning. And this is what I have against evolution. And this philosophy that somehow God is not responsible for all of this because it doesn't answer the main question of purpose. And evolution and that philosophy that spawns from it literally guts you and leaves you empty without meaning. That's why some of the most, listen to me, some of the most, some of the most, brilliant philosophers of the, of the enlightenment and the, the existential age, the, those that, that, that pondered some of the, the, the deepest questions ended up depressed and dead because of their depression because they didn't realize that the enemy was taking their brilliance, making them fools, even as the, as the book of Romans says, in their brilliance they become fools. Listen to me very, very closely And they literally let him gut them of all of their purpose. And some of us are buying into some of those same philosophies that God isn't the ultimate purpose and will end up like Solomon at the end of his life when he said, I've chased after the wind, I've tried to find meaning, I've looked everywhere and I've realized that life without God is meaningless. 
The only thing that gave my life purpose was God. And so I'm here to tell you, if you want to live with passion, if you want to have really good direction, if you want to be the unique you that God created you to be, you have to involve him. Do it in in him. Do it with him. And do it following him. Dedicate it to him because it's all about him. It's all about him. It's all about him. You say, Pastor, I did that once. Can I tell you, most Christians think of Christianity in terms of, I gave my life to Christ once. Can I tell you, Christ never said, give your life to me once. He said things like this, give your life to me daily. Anyone ever tried to give your life to Christ once? Man, you just, I'm like a zombie. I'm hard to kill. Anyone else like me? I'm hard to kill. I took myself out in the backyard, tried to kill my, myself, my, my, the, the thing that my will, some of you are going to say he's advocating suicide. No, no, no. I'm talking about my will. Problem is with my will, I just, every time I wake up, I'm just there. And I guess that's what Jesus meant when he said, die to yourself daily. And this is what he meant. He meant moment by moment. Because if I do it in the morning, by, by, by the evening, I got to do it again. And if I do it in the morning and the evening, by lunchtime, I got to do it again. And then by brunch time, and then literally, it takes just a second. I cannot live this life at all in my own strength. If I'm going to live for the honor and glory of Christ, I've got to give him control. And learning how to do that in every moment, in every facet, in every circumstance, in every situation, that's a tough deal. But that's what it means to find purpose in Christ and say, Lord, I got to stop thinking that somehow we get to drive together. You're driving. You're in control. You take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. That's why I wore my country. We're going to play some, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Listen, which brings us to number two. Well, first, let's read some verses. You say, Pastor, I didn't use a single verse yet. Listen to what the Bible talks about in terms of purpose. Read with me. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who are what? Those that are his. But read that last line very closely. Son, read that last line. Listen to what it says. Who are called according to his. See, this is the thing. If you're walking in God's purpose, then everything the enemy brings against you will be used to bless you. But if you're walking in your own strength, in your own purpose, you can't claim this verse. And I've had so many people claim this verse, but they stop short of according to his purpose. When you're walking in his purpose, when you're walking in your purpose, God will leave you going around that mountain. Come on, is anyone in the room tired of getting beat up by the mountains of life? See, because God will take you around that mountain as long as you need to, to finally say, okay, Lord, you, I give up. He's going, oh, you give finally, let's do this. Do you realize that the children of Israel could have been in the promised land in two weeks and they chose 30 years? Someone in my first service said, man, God gave them, I mean, God gave them 40 years. I said 30, but I meant 40. God gave them 40 years. No, God let them choose because he's a respecter of our will and they chose to not 
let God take over because it's about perspective. Number two, perspective. I want you to stay with me on this. This is going to go really fast now. Perspective is what God wants us to understand. And before I go any further, I want to read to you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Because when you let God set the purpose of your life, you get a fresh new set of eyes. You see things in a fresh new way. Listen to this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created to do something super awesome and special for the Lord. But you've got to see it that way. And in order to see it that way, in order to understand that he has prepared something for you to do and to see yourself different, you've got to get a new perspective You've got to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the hand of God. That he already has in store for you something special for you to do. And that's why the enemy is trying so hard to keep you from seeing that. Keep you from seeing the right perspective. How do we miss? How do we, how do we keep from, from getting the right perspective? We get our focus in the wrong direction. What do I mean by that? Well, read with me. In the book of Colossians, the Bible says, set your minds on the things above, not on the things below. What, is, what does Paul mean by that? Because Paul keeps insisting this. He, he insisted to the Romans, to the Colossians, or uh, to the church in Colossae. He insisted to the church in, in Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus. Over and over and over, he keeps saying, look, guys, you've got to have the right perspective. And he keeps saying... Listen to what he says to the Corinthian church. While we do not look at the things which are unseen, but the things which are not seen. What is he saying? Well, he clarifies it. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are unseen are eternal. Isn't this what God said? Jesus said it over and over. Quit looking at the things of this earth. They're passing away. You think that it's so important, but it only causes you stress. It causes you worry. It causes you anxiety. You fret about keeping it safe. You fret about it rusting. You fret about it wearing out. You fret about all these things. But don't you know that there's something far greater? Far greater. So you might be thinking right now, well, pastor, then what should I do? Should I go ahead and just... And and just quit everything I'm doing. No, you keep doing what God has called you to do, but you've got to have his purpose. And you have to have his perspective that he's not worried about the stuff. He's worried about what he's called you to do. Because when we miss it, then we start worrying about our things versus our calling. And some of us, we're gathering a house, we're gathering retirement, we're gathering all this stuff, but we haven't thought, God, what's my calling? For why? Can I tell you, this is why there's such a disconnect between this generation and the ones coming up. Because this generation keeps insisting, fight for the American dream. And the the younger generation is, who cares about capitalism? Who cares about the American dream? I don't care about any of that. And we're like, (laughs) blasphemy. Right? Some of you are shaking your head. You know what they've seen? They've seen the great American nightmare. 
where parents are happy if they're doing good, feeling horrible if they do bad. And it goes with the market and it goes with all of this. And it's just a big old cycle of, of arguing. This is what kids are seeing. They're seeing, you know what? I've seen my parents chase the American dream. They never caught it. They never got it. It was like chasing the wind. All they did was fight. They were angry all the time. They broke up, left me and my brothers and my sisters to fend for ourselves. And we had to deal with all that emotional pain. And they want me to do the same. No, thank you. I'd rather go backpack across Europe, do some fun things, take all your money, keep it. I'm just going to live and experience life and be full of joy and peace and happiness and get some real friendships along the way. And if I'm lucky, I'll show up on, a, on, uh, on Naked and Afraid. You know what I mean? I mean, they get more applicants than they can put on the show. I tried. No, I'm just kidding. That's not me. I wouldn't go do that. But, but that's what this younger generation, they're like, I don't need your stuff. I don't need your companies. I don't need this. Why? Maybe, maybe they have more in common with Jesus because when they came and asked Jesus, can I be your disciple? This is what Jesus said. I need you to understand something. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I haven't taken a wife. I haven't taken a, 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 a house. I don't have any stuff because nothing's going to slow me down from my mission. Now, that's not saying you can't have stuff. What he's saying is I understand my mission. I'm going to the cross. I don't need your cheap trinkets when I have all of glory. So if you're here today, don't miss it. Don't say, okay, I need to go quit my job. Stop, stop. <laughs> what you need to understand is this. You have an awesome job. You have a wonderful career. You have a wonderful home, neighborhood, whatever it is. But how are you using it for the kingdom of God? When was the last time you said, Lord, use my profession to bring you honor? When was the last time you said, use the income you give me to bring you glory? Use the the, the skills and the things you've allowed me, come on now. That will free you from worrying so much because then you know it's in God's hands and God's going to do what he's going to do. The Bible says, man, I, I wish I could read you some verses where God says, I do what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it, and nobody can tell me otherwise. That's a big God. I can relate to that because sometimes I do that in my house. I'm... And, you know, guys just have that. And God says, uh-uh-uh, let me tell you who's in charge in this house. Amen? Some of my ladies are going, oh, you're horrible. I just say that until Pastor Melissa walks in. Then I just go, okay, baby, what, what do you want us to do? <laughs> Listen, many of the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. Now, I have no idea what time I have, because that's counting down, and I'm already at negative 26, but... I'm going to go with it. I'm just going with it. Can I tell you something about perspective change that's really, really important? When you get a perspective change, everything comes into clarity. There was a story that I read once. Uh, I mean, excuse me. I heard Stephen Covey tell it when I went through, through uh, Stephen Covey's back when I was in the business world. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he talked about uh, two battleships doing maneuvers and and it was, it was very, very bad weather. They had been out there all week. And so the captain was on the bridge and he was making sure because things were really touchy. And, and he asks, Stephen Covey says, shortly after dark, the wing, uh, the wing lookout on the bridge reported a light bearing starboard bow. 
And so the captain quickly called out and said, steady or moving astern? And the lookout replied quickly to the captain, steady captain, which meant there was a dangerous collision course that was taking place. So the captain sent to the lookout quickly, let the lookout know, or, or let the light know that they need to move 20 degrees. They need to adjust their course 20 degrees. So he did, and the light responded back, no, you need to adjust 20 degrees. Now at this point, the captain's getting a little proud, and he says, he doesn't know who he's talking to. My rank is such and such and such and such, and nobody on this naval base outranks me. He needs to move. They need to move. And so the, the, uh, the, the watchman begins to send the signal, and the signal came back, I'm seaman such and such, meaning I have no rank. I'm just a, a, a little, little guy at the bottom of the totem pole. But you need to move. He says, did you not hear what I said? I'm the captain of such and such ship, highest ranking officer. He says, yes, I heard, but I'm the lighthouse. Can I tell you, sometimes we start telling God all who we are and we start pouting and getting proud and saying, why can't it be my way? And God is saying, yes, I know exactly how special you are. I made you. I love you. I care for you, but I'm still not changing for you. Come on, guys. We got to have a perspective change. You're special. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. You're, you're, you're wonderfully made. But God's not going to change for you. He wants to change things in you so he can present you like Jesus Christ. So you say, well, pastor, well, I don't know if I can get it. Look, sometimes you have to trust your father. And some of us are having a really hard time trusting our dad. And it reminds me of a song that, that I connect with because this really did, this happened in my life. See, Pastor Melissa and I have known each other since she was six and I was nine. And there was once a time where I couldn't, I couldn't, I just, I just couldn't. She was, she was skinny, bouncy, little girl, only child. I, I thought she was spoiled. She tells me she wasn't, but I, I thought she was. And uh, it, I got I to gotta tread very lightly here. <laughs> because I got to go home with this beautiful woman that she has become. But when she was a little girl, I mean, how many of you know at, at nine years old, boys aren't interested in little girls? And, and she was three years younger, and that might as well be an eternity. And so sometimes her parents would invite us over, and I didn't want to go. And, and I'd go, I go anywhere except there. Let me go to Joseph's house. Let me go to Eric's house. Let me go here. Let me go anywhere except there. I didn't want to hang out with her. And it reminds me of a song that one of my favorite country artists does. And he burst onto the scenes with this song, and he never looked back. became a number one hit for him. And it goes something like this. Johnny's daddy was taking him fishing when he was eight years old. A little girl came through the front gate holding a fishing pole. His dad looked down and smiled Said we can't leave her behind Son, I know you 
don't want her to go But someday you'll change your mind And Johnny said Take Jimmy Johnson Take Tommy Thompson Take my best friend Bo Take anybody that you want As long as she don't go how 10 years will change a lot. Can I tell you something? That's the exact same thing that Solomon tells us. He says this, he says, you know what I've learned in my older age that you can't fight God, that life will beat you up, that there comes a point where every man has to, has to admit, I haven't been in charge, I've wasted a lot of years, I've wasted a lot of time, I've wasted a lot of years not seeing the real you, I, I just, that's another song, anyway. Um, but I've wasted a lot of time and Lord, I need to, I should have done it your way. And so I said this the first service, you want a real perspective adjustment? Trust me, just the way your dad was right that someday you would learn to like girls or learn to like boys, God is right, Solomon is right. Someday you will have to face the fact that you were never truly in charge, that you should have given God the purpose of your life and realized the purpose, his purpose for your life. That should have been your perspective. That should have been your perspective. And he says this to the young people. So if you're under the age of 30, listen to me. Don't wait for life to beat the snot out of you for you to realize it. Do it now. That's what Solomon says. As a young person, I should have honored God. I'd be so much further ahead. You go, but what, he was king. Exactly. The stuff don't matter. That doesn't matter, that's going. Jesus said over and over, this world is passing away. So once you get purpose, you can set perspective. Once you set perspective, then you set priorities. And priorities are literally the way you fasten, the way you schedule your life, the way you organize your life. And you go, well, you're gonna, it's gonna be all about God again. Yeah, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You go, okay, well how do I do that in a daily basis? On a daily basis, I would advise you 
if God is your purpose and your greatest perspective, then why not say, Lord, every day I'm going to spend at least 15 minutes with you so you can help me organize my day. At the end of the day, before I go to bed, I'm just going to spend 15 minutes with you asking you to give me kind of a rundown on how you think I did. That's what I do. I said, how'd I do, Lord? Yeah, I really blew it here, really blew it there. God, can you help me tomorrow? Because if you're not careful, the enemy will get in there and he'll begin to to take over. Listen to what the Bible says about perspective and then priorities. Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. It also says he makes your path straight, which is what we've already talked about. And the one thing that I'm learning, the more I let God set the priorities in my life is that it should be all about people. That's number four, and that's what we'll finish. It should be all about people. The stuff I'm not going to get to take home with me. This isn't our home. How many of us know this isn't our home? We're just passing through. But you know what you do get to take home? Your relationship with God and your relationship with others. And so my relationship with Bob and his lovely wife when we went on this mission trip, Anna and Bob, and we got to know them and we got to experience relationship and time together. We'll get to take that with us. Isn't that beautiful? See, and I don't think we spend enough time worrying about people really worrying about each other and caring for each other and letting each other be what, what it's about. Listen to what the Bible says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Listen to this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. We should try to one-up one an- each other in honoring each other. No, 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 you, you, you are, you deserve more honor. No, 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 you deserve more honor. How do we honor each other? One of the ways that we honor each other is we, re, we encourage each other. We respect each other. We do for one another. We care for one another. We try to lift each other up. When someone is hurting, we hurt with them. When someone is celebrating, we celebrate with them. I told the first service, I said, hey, if somebody gets new kicks like Brother Ariel here, man, I love your new vans. Those are tight. Those are cool. Those are off the chain. Those are off the hook. I don't know what you say today, but that's what I used to say. Man, those are, those are, those are fresh. No, nah, you don't use that no more. What is that? That's fire, right? What is it? Those are fire. That's cool. I mean, when was the last time, instead of doing this thing that the world does, we're always competing, go, hmm, I was going to get those. <laughs> Why not say something encouraging to someone? Man, Pastor Chris, you're looking slimmer. Thank you very much. I'll take that. <laughs> Who, I mean, doesn't everyone like to hear something good? Brother Ish, I hear you're running for city council. Is that right? Man, we're going to pray for you and wish well for you. He's a good Christian man. We want to wish well for him. Eric, I hear you and Shannon are starting a new business. We want to pray for that. Man, we believe for you. 
We have good thoughts towards that. If we can help in any way, let us be there for you. Do you see what I'm saying? We need each other. Can I tell you, there's something special about family. And can I tell you, there's nothing greater than family. And we as a church are a family. And if you're here today and you're wondering, am I part of that family? My question to you is, why not? We need you. We want to help you. We know you can help us. How do we know that? Because the Bible says it. That every single person that God brings into the family of God has a purpose to play. Has good works already preordained for you to do. For you to do. We already know that every single person has a spiritual gift that the Holy Spirit gave you the day he saved you. And watch this. It's for the purpose of building up the family of God. So there's someone you're called to encourage. There's something... But the enemy's going to try his very best to keep you from, well, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like that. I don't know. Don't worry about what you don't like. Look for what you like. Because someone first, someone wise told me this. They said, in every church, you can find whatever you're looking for. And if you're looking for what you don't like, you'll find plenty. But if you're looking for the good, you're going to find plenty of that too. And so some of you are going, I don't like his informal style. I don't like this. I don't like that. How about this? Do you like the fact I preach the gospel with all my heart? And I will love you with all my heart. And I will openly admit to you my weaknesses because I'm not up here saying, look at me, I'm better than you. I'm here saying, we are just like you. And we are doing what we can to be the bride of Christ and make him proud, bring him glory. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Foundation, can I tell you, you guys are an amazing church. You make us feel so special. I've always said, if someone wants to love me, love my family. And that was once a time as a pastor where I didn't, I didn't want to be a pastor because I saw churches not always treat the pastor's families the best. But you guys love my children and you encourage them and you speak blessings over them and you lift them up. And that's why I come to you today lifting you up, telling you you are special and God loves you dearly, dearly, dearly. And if he didn't love you so much, the enemy wouldn't be on you so hard. So every time he comes and circles your house and tries to jab at you and tries to discourage you, I want you to know you have a place in the family of God that is dearly special, not only to us, but to God. And God has something remarkable for you to do that, that will be part of changing human history. I want you to think about the church of Jesus Christ and how it's setting a course in history. And you get a chance to be a part of that that will last for eternity. And can I tell you something else? A good family is going to tell you what you you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. This is where I end. Because when we connect with family, we connect with the power of God. And that will be next week. I'm introducing it, but I'm finishing right now. See, I went with some good friends fishing. Me and Chris Dillon and his two boys and my awesome son here, we went fishing, deep sea fishing. And, uh, yep, I've got some fish for you. 
I got some fish for you. Get ready because it's going to smell a little bit. I got some fish for you. It's called fish food. See, while we were in Galveston the night before, we stopped and got some ice cream. And I bought the ice cream. And uh, when we went, came back from fishing, we went and ate, ate some uh, Mexican food. And afterwards, uh, Chris Dillon's little boys kept, kept bugging Mr. Jewel. Mr. Jewel, we got to go back and get Ben and Jerry's. We got to go back. We got to get dessert. We got to get dessert. And Jewel kept saying, no, I got to get back. We got to get Pastor Chris back. He's going to preach in the morning. I got to get him back. I got to get him back. And so he kind of used me as an excuse, right? And he looks at me and he goes, we got to get back, right? Well, you know me. One of my weaknesses is what? And, and, and I think he's mad at me because he's from Giddings and, and they're close to Brenham. And, and uh, well, let's just say there's another company in Brenham that I really like too, but, but they don't have a shop on the strip. Uh, ben and Jerry's has a shop on the strip and I love fish food. Who has never tried Ben and Jerry's? If you've never tried Ben and Jerry's, Brother Jerry, come here. I'm going to hook you up with my favorite. That, that's yours. I'm sorry. I'm sorry ahead of time. Brother Jerry, would you stand up? Look how good and in shape he is. They've got, a, they've, got a, they've got one called Chubby Hubby for a reason, okay? So it's not my fault. Uh, you're going to have to pray over that. So, but, but this is the thing. I wanted to go there, and this is what he said to the boys. He said, after they asked him three or four times, he looked at them square in the eyes, and he goes, Logan, Connor, read my lips. The only place my truck is going is Bastrop. And Jules Purdy Country, so you know what he said it, just like that, Bastrop. And then we got in the truck. I said, man, I really wanted some Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and he looked over at me. He goes, you really want Ben and Jerry's? Come on, worship team. Come on, worship team. He goes, but you can get it anytime at Walgreens, you said, Pastor. I said, yeah, but it's not fresh like on a cone. And then he said, but pastor, you had two helpings last night because I had a big bowl, a cone. They have a cone like this. And they fill it with ice cream, three scoops. I ate that, went back, got samples of five others and then decided on the. And got me another cone. And Jules said, the only way we're going is. I said, well, I'm going to tell everybody, you're mean, you're hateful, you're a sorry friend, you don't take your pastor to go get more Ben and Jerry's. Can I tell you, someone said last week, they said, Pastor, you said that we need to get in discipleship because some of us need to be encouraged. Some of us need to be lifted up. Some of us need advice. Some of us need all these different things. But then, you know, it, it, it kind of made me wonder because you said some of us need a good shaking. And then you said, that's ah, kind of like uncouth. That's not cool for a pastor to say some of us need a good slapping. 
can I say some of us need a good slapping when you're eating like a whole pint of ice cream a night? See, what I wanted to hear is, absolutely, I'll get you some ice cream. But a good friend's going to say, Pastor, you just showed, you just taught on Wednesday night how you're going to get, you're going to get healthier. You talked about changing your whole lifestyle. You talked about a lot of things, Pastor. And can I tell you, you ate Ben and Jerry's, like, you, you ate way too much last night. So I'm trying to help you if you let me. And so I got to tell you in love, the only place this truck is going is Bastrop. Can I tell you the only truck, uh, the only place this church is going is Jesus' way. We're going to read the scripture. We're going to get a godly perspective, and I'm going to hammer those principles over and over and over and over, because your children may not like them at first, but eventually they'll come back to them, and they'll say, I thank the Lord that I had a pastor who taught that it's all about the Lord and his purpose, and having that perspective, setting my life by those priorities, and understanding that it's not about the stuff, it's the people and the relationship with him and them that I'm taking to heaven with me, and that's what I wanna major on. I love you, Foundation, with all my heart. And this is where we end. If you're here today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're saying, Pastor, This message was for me, and I need you to just help me seal it up in the name of Jesus, because I've been focused in the wrong direction. I I haven't been developing those relationships I so need to. I mean, there's some people in this congregation, if you haven't met the Carnahans, you're missing out. If you haven't met Brandon Rogers and his lovely wife, you're missing out. This man, I've been in discipleship with him now. He is special. He's a good dude. If you haven't met Brother Valentin and Miss Diana on a mission trip and seen the love that they exude and pour out and the encouragement, if you haven't had a chance to just sit back on a Thursday evening and just just chat with Brother Wilcox, you missed out. If you haven't had an opportunity to have Coy tell you he's not a cheerleader, but then have him text you over and over about how special you are as his, pa- as his pastor and how, how blessed he is to have you, then you're missing out. If you haven't had a chance to have brother Keith Gow take you out for lunch, then you're missing out. You're missing out. Come on, guys. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I, I hear you, pastor. I hear you. I want to seal this feeling up in the name of Jesus. I want to know what it's like to have real friendships. Would you raise your hand? We'll pray and get out of here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I see the hands that are raised. And first and foremost, I pray that they would have an absolute dynamite friendship with you. And then, Lord, give them a love for each other. Give them a perspective that's not shaken by the enemy's uh, ploys. And Father, I pray that you would just 
just make come alive something special in this church for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church. Let's stand and sing. In Jesus, you are my deliverance from dead to life and from darkness.